The lie of the enemy is it would be best if you had control of your life. And so then when you bite into it, you find out, oh, that was a chocolate-covered grenade, right? Like, you find out that the consequence of believing that lie is something like anxiety. Welcome to Every Square Inch, a podcast discussing theology, culture, and the Christian life for every believer. I'm Gabe, here with Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hello. I, uh, I just got done teaching a spiritual warfare class, so although we are not talking about spiritual warfare today, oh man, I might find a way to weave it in. No, we are not talking about that today. <laughs> well, actually, what we're talking about today, uh, it might give, it, it might be perfect, because when I talk about spiritual warfare, this is what you experience. We're talking about anxiety today. Right? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, no, that ties totally. in, right? Okay. Yep. So we're going to talk about anxiety today, and um, Ryan, really, the, the whole goal of the podcast is to help you with your sermon tomorrow. <laughs> not really but you are preaching on this on a topic uh, related to this uh tomorrow so yeah we're pre-recording our sunday service tomorrow on yeah. thursday and uh so i guess we're giving away now when we're recording this aren't we we never really said that before <laughs> this is wednesday night yeah and usually we record on friday afternoons yeah but riley and nikki are going out of town so we're pre-recording at seven forty-three p.m Right on Wednesday night after Gabe taught a class, <laughs> I'm a little tired. And, so uh, yeah, so yeah, we're talking about anxiety today, um, and uh, kind of in keeping with the theme for the last few weeks, we've played a little clip for you. We played the Untold Mystery, the uh, Unsolved Mysteries song. We played. Uh, we had a robot introduce us. That was a fun um, one. We're trying to find, uh, trying to get ourselves sued for copyright infringement, and so we thought really the best way we could up this would be to to play like a legit song. So. Um, this is what some people think of when they hear Christians or people talking about anxiety. This is what they think uh, the, the response should be. Yeah. Don't worry, be happy, right? So when we think, <laughs> hey, that was pretty good. Yeah. You want to sing along, Ryan? No? Okay. This is by far his most well-known song, but he has a lot of really complex, impressive yeah, music. Yeah, he's a stud. So, uh, you know, don't worry, be happy. Um, that sometimes can be the superficial kind of advice given to, well, specifically thinking of Christians um, when talking about the topic of anxiety. So we're hoping to go a little deeper than that today and uh, do more than just say, don't be anxious and do more than just say, don't worry, be happy. Okay. Or whatever the Christian version of that is. So um, anxiety, Ryan, how, how do you want to jump into this topic? Well, I think maybe so people understand why we even want to talk yeah. about this. It is, it is the most frequently commanded uh, thing in scripture. Yeah, the most the most frequent command in scripture, yep. right? Fear not, don't be anxious, don't be afraid. It's the most, and angels say it all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, it's the most frequently commanded uh, command in scripture, <laughs> yeah. uh, and so it's like it's kind of a big deal. If it's the thing that's commanded most in scripture, we should probably understand what that is. If we're not supposed to be anxious, let's figure out what what is anxiety. Yeah, that's good. So that's why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I and I think when people hear the word anxiety in Scripture and they hear a command, they most often think of a particular kind of anxiety, um, uh, the kind of anxiety that is uh, sin, 
because anxiety can be a sin. Saying that right there, there's some people I know immediately that are going to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Triggered, triggered. Yeah, what, what are you saying? Um, I can't help this. And so you're saying it's a sin? Okay. So one error, I think, is to look at all anxiety and say, it's all fine. You can't help it. You're just a victim of your body and chemical imbalances. Um, there, there is uh, no real personal responsibility, right? You wouldn't say anybody says that all anxiety is that way, but you think people act that way. Though, right? Yeah, I think people act that way. Uh, I mean, it, I think they act that way when it's never a sin to repent of, for example. Hmm. That it's only something to be uh, medicated or... Um, and that's it. That's the only category they have. And the reason why some people would have an issue with hearing this is because maybe they actually do struggle with some sort of like generalized uh-huh. anxiety, or whatever. And yep. so when they hear this, they're thinking, so you're telling me right. that what I struggle with is sin. Right. Yeah. Yep. And then the other extreme is to, I think at least see all anxiety as sin. So everything's a nail and it needs a hammer. So if you have a friend that is struggling with, uh, anxiety, all you know, you, you kind of lump all of it together and you say, um, well, I know what you need to do. You need to repent. Mm. And that's the only response. They'll interpret caring or concern for anxiety possibly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sure. sure. Okay. And I mean, the Bible is pretty clear that we are both sinners and sufferers. And so I think uh, it takes a lot of uh, wisdom to apply the truth in love to someone that is suffering. And you want to make sure that you don't treat a sufferer as though they are only a sinner. Right. So help me out with my sermon yeah. tomorrow. Okay. This is what when I was when I was preparing uh this this is what caught my attention. Mm-hmm. Are there any other commands in scripture other than this one mm-hmm. that seems odd that it needed to be commanded? Put it a different way. Are yeah. there any other commands in scripture where you almost feel like the command itself isn't really the command there's something behind it? Because for instance, when God says any author in scripture or the Lord himself says don't be anxious, we're going, well, like I don't want to be anxious. We're yeah. not going like, man, that's that's really fun. I really want to do that. I'm really going to mess yeah. out. We're going like, well, I don't want to be anxious. So do you need to tell people not to be anxious? See, I have a slightly more, maybe, I don't know if it's cynical view, but I think although we would often say, I don't want to be anxious, I think for many of us, we don't want to give up what it would mean on the sin side of it. We don't want to give up what it would mean to not be anxious. Yeah. And I think I agree with you, yeah. but but I think that speaks to what I'm saying where there's something yeah, deeper. Yeah, there's something deeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And I don't mean to like, it's just all idolatry. I mean, of course it is. Right. But like there's something, uh, we'll get into it. There's something deeper there. It just it, Can you think of any other commands? Riley, you can help out here too. Can you think of any other commands in scripture where when you hear it, you're like, well, that's not like I want to do that. Well, I mean, I think that Christians are kind of... Don't get spiritual, don't do That's it. what I'm <laughs> saying. I think, but I think Christians, like, they'll say, well, I don't want to look at porn. No, yeah. I don't want to I I don't be greedy. I don't want to, you know I, what I mean? I guess, yeah. How do I, how do I articulate the difference? Because I know what you're saying. Yeah. And I want to say, yeah, you do. So in the moment. You do what you most want to do. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. So in the moment... But, but yeah, yeah. That's the thing, though. Is I don't think we want to be anxious. I think we want something else that leads to anxiety. Totally. Yeah, no, um, no, I got you. But we don't anxiety want... Anxiety is kind of the yeah. response of... Exactly. It's, it's like we want to... Uh, the lie of the enemy is you can have... And the lie of our flesh or whatever. I, I snuck it in there. I just said... I did a spiritual warfare thing. Or I said the Check. lie of the enemy. Yeah. Check. The lie of the enemy. Can we get like a um, a little somebody that goes ding? And he just checked out that box. We can find that somewhere. Right Mission accomplished. Okay. The lie of the enemy is ding. Uh, you, uh, it would be best if you had control of your life. Yeah, totally. And so then when you bite into it, you find out, oh, that was a chocolate covered grenade. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. you find out that the consequence of believing that lie is something like anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, yeah. that's one kind of anxiety. Um, yeah, so, I think there's at least four kinds. Yeah, yeah. So I was just gonna say, that. why don't why don't you first, as the the licensed counselor with the psychology and biblical background, both, which I don't have the psychology background at all. Why don't you give some definitions of anxiety? So, and then we can move on from there. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it helps people to know that I I'm not coming at this only as like I. I <laughs> I don't, there's no way to say it that's not like uh, maybe comes off as arrogant or something, but I've spent a lot of hours and a lot of money in <laughs> student loans and everything else to educate myself in the field of counseling, right? Like I've been doing that for a while and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I, I'm not ignorant to anxiety. I've worked with many folks that are anxious, um, clinically diagnosed with anxiety, and I'm not against medication or, or anything like that, okay? So just get that out of the way. So if you're a person that struggles with anxiety, um, or maybe your spouse does or a friend does or whatever, and you're immediately on guard when the topic comes up because you think, oh, here comes kind of the guilt, you know, they're just going to tell me, repent of your anxiety. Okay? Would, would it be safe to say yeah. that where we are going to spend the most of our time in this episode is talking about the kind of anxiety that everybody deals with? Yeah. Okay. And so to get people off of the trigger, trigger scale. Um, yeah. I mean, I think so. Okay. I think this will help. So the first, the the four categories of anxiety I would describe. One would be a normal uh, response that is actually, you know, I think the analogy I gave you, Ryan, was if you're running in the woods uh, with friends, if you're you know camping, let's say in the woods, something I know you'd never do, maybe because of this reason, but let's say you're camping in the woods. And a bear comes upon you, right, and starts chasing you down. If you experience, and they, you know, maybe run up a tree or whatever, and uh, you can see the bear coming after you. If you experience no anxiety, there's actually something wrong with you. <laughs> actually, yeah, because I have a beard now, Yeah, I feel like if I saw a bear now, yeah, you feel I like might, you could take it. I don't know if I'd have anxiety anymore. <laughs> This beard's really doing something for me. Yeah. It's certainly uh, up to your, your uh, masculine no quality, doubt, I guess. No huh? Okay, so that's almost like a physiological thing. Yeah, it is a, uh emotional warning system. I've heard it described as sort of the uh, the check engine light that comes on. Um, but it's a it's a uh, fight or flight. Did you say fight or flight? No, but exactly that, fight or flight. Right? Yeah. Yep, it's related to an adrenaline response. Yeah. It's a warning system of impending danger. Okay, so that's one kind of a physiological or emotional warning system that alerts us to danger right now. That's one type. Okay, um, type number two is what we might normally think of as as clinical anxiety. Okay, so when someone goes to see a doctor because they are just having persistent anxious thoughts, they can't sleep. Um, this has been going on for you know six months or so. Uh, they're just constantly. Maybe it's even sometimes related to panic disorders. You know, panic attacks, those kinds and th- of things. This would be for no particular reason, right? Like yeah, not no, not a situational. Thing. Right. It's not even always exactly. It's not. It, it's like they could wake up in the middle of the night and their heart's pounding, and it's like they just went for a six mile run. It's not like they just lost their job or something. Big nope. up. It's just like kind of out of the blue. It's going. Yeah, exactly. And it may be triggered by situations sure, sometimes, sure. but it's it's not its origin doesn't seem to be in a particular thought. It's certainly not contingent on a situation. Right. Yeah, or gotcha. exactly. And it's just kind of for people a lot of times they might say it just seems like it comes out of the blue. Okay. And uh and I don't I don't think this kind of anxiety or the other kind of anxiety I mentioned, I don't think either one of those are sinful. The first okay. kind in fact is actually I think part of how God has hardwired us 
to be vigilant to danger. And I think the second is, um, I think, related to, it's not personal sin, but it is related to the fall in that our yeah. bodies are not, and our brains yeah. are not operating the way they're meant to. So the first one you, should, you could say is physiological. It's like right. a gift. It's part of the way we were created to yep. protect us. Yeah, it's the a, second yep, one you exactly. could say is a part of the fall yep. because it's... Uh, uh, it's it's something that it's not supposed to be that way. Right. Exactly. Yep. Okay, and then so those the, are the first the, two. The third type is the kind of anxiety that might come with uh, sinful behavior. Right. So like uh, we we're not talking about depression in this podcast episode, but like if you thought of depression, there's a kind of depression that comes with guilt. Hmm. Right. Like I feel guilty for what I've done, and actually I'm depressed. Hmm. So think about the guy that is cheating on his spouse, for yep. example. Right. Yep. And he's worried he's going to get caught. That's actually a a kind of anxiety that, uh, or or the person that um, uh, smokes a bunch of pot and starts feeling paranoid and anxious. You know, like there's a kind of anxiety that is a natural consequence of sinful behavior. By the way, can I admit that when I was in high yeah. school, I smoked a little weed? Can I say that on here? I can't believe you. What's wrong with you? So I was not what you would call. Did you ever a... experience anxiety as a result, dude? <laughs> yeah. I was not what you would call a pleasant weed smoker. <laughs> I was like, I was like, smoke, and I'm so paranoid. Yeah. And like, yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah. It wasn't good. I didn't do it a ton, but I did it a few times, and like, that was me. Yeah. And for a lot of people, if they have, uh, this is another episode. One of these days, we are going to do an episode where we talk about Christians and marijuana. We're going to. We've got that request. Yeah, because we live in the Seattle area and it's legalized and whatever. But, you know, kind of a a way of talking about that is often for folks that struggle with some kind of anxiety disorder that may even be the non-sinful kind of anxiety. um, Something like that can actually really aggravate that and cause, even though they think like, no, actually, I calm down. Well, actually, over over the long term, the way it's affecting your brain, it's actually um, aggravating anxiety. And we actually thought that until Riley cut his hair, he might be one of those people who's smoking a ton <laughs> of weed. But then he cut Especially his hair. Especially because he's from Oregon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's from uh-huh. Eugene. From Eugene. Eugene. Like hippie capital Oregon. of the world, basically, right? Long, yeah. curly it hair. Is. Yeah. Isn't that where, wasn't that the creator of Simpsons? Didn't he go uh, to school? Actually, Springfield, Oregon. Springfield, Oregon. Wait, is yeah. that why it's called Springfield? Actually where I'm from. Is that yeah. why it's called Springfield uh, in the show? Uh, I never But what's the that. college? Isn't there a college there? Ever, or that's a different college. Maybe Evergreeners? Where is that? Is that there, more Olympia? There is an Evergreen. Evergreen's over in Olympia. Right? Oh, okay. That's yeah. the other one that's oh, well, like super... Well, no, sorry. There, there's hippie. one down in the Eugene area called like Northwest or Northwest Christian. Northwest Christian. Or something like Eugene. that. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So third kind of anxiety is really anxiety that is related to some kind of a sin. So you... Uh, it's almost a guilt from yeah, sin. Yeah. You stole from your work and you're yeah. worried you're going to get caught. Gotcha. You, right, you lied to your spouse. You're worried you're going to get caught. Right? Yep. That's anxiety. And then the fourth type, and, and that's sinful. And, that's a sinful yeah, kind of okay. anxiety. Okay. okay. Fourth type is what I think we're going to talk about a lot today and what you're yeah. going to mostly cover in your sermon. But yeah. um, that's the kind of uh, anxiety that is a sinful response to God's providential care. Mm. It's ultimately a kind of anxiety that, although it feels maybe passive, like it feels like we're just experiencing something, it's actively saying something about God. Can I can I see your pen? Yeah. Writing these down because I'm using those four in my sermon. Oh, yeah. Solid. <laughs> I think that's what it says. I think the the fourth kind is ultimately looking at God and saying, you don't. You won't take care of me. You have forgotten about me. It's making active statements, even though we're we're maybe experiencing it. Still, as heart palpitations and sweatiness and racing thoughts and everything else, um, our anxiety is really rooted in uh, <laughs> worrying about our lives in such a way that we've actually forgotten the goodness of our Creator. So I think that those are for the four categories of anxiety, and because you know, right? So I just split them. 
two are sinful, two are not. So if you are trying to treat them all as sinful, then uh, or every kind of anxiety is sinful, you could actually do a lot of damage to a person yeah. that you ought to respond to with a lot of compassion because they're suffering. Yeah. But if you never call anybody to repentance that's struggling with anxiety because you only have one category of anxiety, which is a clinical kind of anxiety, then you actually never call people to repentance to trust God in the midst of their worries, right? And yeah. then that gets to the command, fear not. Yeah, and the, the text, uh, the, I mean, one of, the, one of the most obvious texts for this is in Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus you know, says, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. He talks about the birds and the lilies and all that yep. stuff, which is what I'm preaching on tomorrow. Um, that passage is certainly talking about the fourth category. That's right. Yeah. Right. Um, it can't be talking about the other categories, I don't think. The, yeah. the most other category you could talk about is maybe category number two, the generalized yeah. anxiety. I don't think it is, but it's certainly four is the main thing. Yeah. So if you don't really need to have a command yeah. to not be anxious, there's really a command beyond that and the anxiety is a consequence of that and you already said it a couple times actually you said it in your description of number four so what did you call number four again uh it's it's doubting the providential care of god there you go okay so the the my here's my opinion tell me what you think my opinion is anxiety comes from the not recognizing the creature creator distinction yeah you in that fourth and not appreciating right? in the fourth yeah. category mm-hmm. yep um, and so really my, my opinion, the, the first of the 10 commandments, right? Have no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. I, I think essentially anxiety is a result of disobeying that first one in some form. So I, I think you're totally right, but I think it, and I know you're going to obviously do this in your sermon. So I don't, for folks that heard the sermon and then are also hearing this, I don't want it to be, you know, just a repeat, but how unpack that a little bit. Cause I think that's important that they're blurring in that fourth category, they're blurring creator-creature distinction, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the narrative of Scripture is that we are creation. We are not the creator. We are creatures. And so how does blurring that distinction lead to anxiety? So anxiety, I think, is... A, when we feel anxiety, it's a sign that we're starting to finally understand reality, which is that we are not in control. Yeah. However, the reason why we don't like that feeling is because we want to be in control. Mm-hmm. And so anxiety is, and this actually might go against what a lot of like maybe counselors would say. Yeah. Anxiety is not being irrational. Anxiety is actually being rational about yourself and your control, mm-hmm. but irrational about God's goodness and his control. Totally. Right? And so the reason why it connects with the creature-creator distinction is because because we're creation- we're creatures and not the creator who doesn't have full sovereignty and we're not perfectly good and we just aren't in control of everything. We can't actually control our lives like we would like to think we can. Mm -hmm. So if we're in Christ, we believe God is good, we ought not be anxious about our daily life in this passage, clothing, food, drink, because the illustrations he gives is the birds are cared for, the lilies are cared for, and how much more important are we in God's eyes than those things? So shouldn't we trust God? Um, Also also in this passage, he just, verse 27 is the shortest shortest verse. He says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? That's just ultimately saying you're not in control. And so that's how it relates to creature, creature, creator distinction. Yeah, that's why I love a, a verse that I like to to talk about this kind of anxiety with folks. I'll sometimes I'll go to First Peter five uh, six and seven that says, um, "Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you." 
And one of the reasons I like going there is because that idea of humble yourself, I think that's a call to say, hey, remember who you are. Mm-hmm. Remember you are the creature. Mm-hmm. Um, and humble yourself under the mighty hand of God mm-hmm. so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And yeah. I think anxiety, in the, the in a moment of that kind of sinful anxiety, ultimately what we're saying to God is, I don't think you really do care for me. Yeah. I don't, and and either you don't care for me because sometimes people go to you know I'm not good enough, I'm worthless, I'm you're busy, and it's kind of even missing something about the attributes of God. And sometimes it's you don't care for me because you're not good. Yeah, it's either you know? it's either you lack the power, right, or you lack the goodness, right, or both. Yep. Um, but it's certainly if you if you actually believe, and none of us fully, of course, believe this, or else none of us would ever struggle with this kind of anxiety. If you actually believe God is perfectly in control and sovereign, and He's perfectly good, we wouldn't have anxiety mm-hmm. about these sorts of things, food yeah. and clothing, and that kind of stuff. Tomorrow, right. whatever tomorrow brings. Um, yeah, I think one of the ways that you can distinguish between those four kinds of anxiety sometimes is if you notice that in your anxiety, one of the things that you are doing is you you can, and man, this is, it, it becomes one of the reasons that something like community is so important or relationship with another, uh, another Christian who will lovingly uh, uh, walk alongside you and speak the truth and love to you. Discipleship, right? All of these things. It's because it can be so hard, right? I just, so in these four kinds of anxiety, if two of them are, are sinful and two of them are not, well, how do you know if you're exhibiting a sinful kind of anxiety versus a non-sinful kind of anxiety? Yeah, it, it, so it seems like number one is easiest to distinguish. Sure. Number two is the hard one, right? It is, a lot of times. Because yep. today, as a counselor, you would say mm-hmm. that a lot of people are put on medication when very possibly it, it's, it's, they're not trusting God, and yet this is a mask. Yeah, and it's not always these distinct categories, right? So even the person in number two that has a legitimate clinical diagnosis of anxiety, they can still... Uh, uh, they could still cheat on their spouse and feel anxious about getting caught. They could still doubt God's care for them. Maybe even Mm -hmm. they doubt God's care for them because they're struggling with the physical kind of anxiety. One is leading to the other one. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's not, they're not always these super distinct things. And so what I would say is um, one of the ways to try to help yourself distinguish between these things is through the loving care and discipleship of a friend who would come alongside you and say, Hey, you know, so first, it requires you actually being honest about your weaknesses, a person actually saying, man, I, I've been struggling with a lot of anxiety lately. Um, and, okay, as a person, as the Christian who hears that, what you have to be really careful not to do is jump on it like a dog with a bone, you know? Oh, they said they're anxious. I know, I know, I know, what, I, I know what the right answer. I'm supposed to tell them they're Suck a sinner. Suck it up, buttercup. Yeah, or, yeah, or that. Either I'm supposed to tell them stop being such a weakling, or I'm supposed to tell them you're a sinner, repent. Right. Yeah. And so I, oh, I heard the things out of the A word. I can't wait to jump on that. Okay. Well, hold on a minute. What you may need to do first is respond to them with a lot of compassion mm-hmm. and grace to really give them the room to actually begin describing that and asking them some yeah. really thoughtful questions to say, tell me in, in your anxiety, what are you feeling? What, mm-hmm. are you, what are you thinking? Where do you see God in the midst of your anxiety? You know what's, what's really cool about this passage, Matthew yeah. 6? Is the way that Jesus handles it. Totally. I love, yeah. So he has three commands, do not be anxious. Yep. One at the beginning, one at the middle, one at the end. This is, by the way, this is Matthew 6, 25 through 34. So he has beginning, middle, end, don't be anxious. Yep. But he never once just says stop. Yeah. He actually invites them to be rational, mm-hmm. which I think is so cool. And I'll yep. talk about this tomorrow. So verse 20, after he says, don't be anxious about what you eat, drink, or what you put on, then in verse 26, he says, 
look at the birds. So he's like, let, let, let me help you out here. Yeah, it's a very compassionate oh, response. Oh, my goodness. L- let me help you out. Look at the birds. You see how they're cared for? Um, you're way more important than they are. And then look at the lilies. Yep. See how, they, see how, see how, uh, how they're cared for? They can't even move. They can't even work. And look, they're cared for. They're beautiful. Look how they're clothed. You're more important than that. So he says, just look. And then at the end, he once cares again. for you. Yep. Yeah. And then at the end, once again, he says, therefore, yep. don't be anxious. Yep. He's not like, stop it. He's like, let me help you think rationally about how little control you have and how good I am. Trust me. Well, and I just think to Genesis 3, the lie of the serpent is to ultimately convince uh, Adam and Eve, that God does not care for you. And, he's God's, withholding. and God's holding out. Exactly. He's holding out. Exactly. Like, this God who could give you everything, mm-hmm. he's actually holding out on things that could be for your good. God doesn't want you to be like him. Right. That's why he doesn't want you to eat from that tree. Which ultimately is another way of saying he doesn't really care for you. Yep. That's right? right. And so then I think it's so, uh, uh, it's a, a natural consequence then that as a part of our sin nature, we would constantly doubt, God, are you holding out? Mm-hmm. God, are you actually not really good or are you not sovereign? Mm-hmm. Constantly. We would go back to that in different ways. Mm-hmm. So for Jesus to respond to anxiety and that kind of anxiety with, he cares for you. Yeah, right? look, look. <laughs> look around. He uses the word, I, I forget exactly the, the form of the word, but the, the Greek word there is blepo, which means to see, yeah. but it's a different form of the word. And essentially what it means is ponder. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's like when you're, when you're like disciplining your son sure, or your daughter, and instead of just yelling at him, you go, sit down, sit down. Mm. Think about this with me. And you just help him like very graciously walk through it. That, that's essentially what he's doing here. And, and just to be clear, he's only talking to Christians here. Yeah. Because at the Sermon on the Mount, he says he sat down with his disciples and then mm. he preached the sermon. Uh, question. Yeah. Y- you, you know that statistically we're far more likely to die and be injured from uh, from driving than from flying, right? Right. Like that's statistic. Okay. Why is it that so many more people are scared to fly? Like what would you guess? Uh, my guess would be because there's such an utter sense of a lack of control. Yeah, I, that's what I think. Yeah. Right? When you're driving, you can still buy into the illusion that you're in control. Because uh, totally. you're behind the wheel yep. and you kind of think that... Or, or even if you're not driving, you can see the person next to you. Well, I mean... So you know they're you awake. Wanna, I was going to say, if you, if you want a... a example of kind of a parallel to flying think of how many people the backseat drivers feel when someone else is driving <laughs> right they're out of control yep. those are the people that uh you know they're slamming the, their foot on the brake that mm-hmm. doesn't exist on the floor and they're mm-hmm. grabbing the bar and yep. you know that it's because they're feeling very anxious because they're not in control if you don't trust the person driving exactly right? yeah so okay so we know statistically that it's safer to fly than to drive yeah. and yet om- not everybody but almost universally more people are nervous or anxious i should say yeah. to fly than to drive the only explanation of that is we really love control. However, yes. when we fly, myself, I'm not a, I don't like flying that much. Yeah. I do it a decent amount, but I don't like it that I much. I don't like flying because I have crappy leg room. Yeah, you got long legs, man. <laughs> By the way, Gabe. Okay, I'm 6'3", Gabe... and I'm six foot legs, basically. That's all. He's all legs. <laughs> I'm three inches of torso. He's all legs. <laughs> Somebody make an artistic rendering for us, please, and send <laughs> that to Every Square Inch Podcast. What is it? What is it? Is it? Is it? It's not Mr. Potato Head. It's uh, Mr. Peanut. Isn't it Mr. Peanut that has crazy long legs and a small I think torso? So, yeah. Because the peanut is the yeah. you're Mr. You're the peanut. Totally. You're, okay. So, yeah. so here's the deal. If you put me on an airplane uh-huh. and you say, "Are you more comfortable here or driving?" I'll say driving. And then if you say, uh, "Okay, so would you rather fly the plane then? Would you feel more comfortable?" I'd go, uh, "No." Okay. So if you make me think about it, 
Right. I should be far more comfortable with a guy flying the plane than me. That has all the flight hours that has, right? Who's literally never crashed a plane in his life. Hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of hours. He was like a military Mm -hmm. pilot that flew through, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, fire, like uh, gunfire and everything else. Like he can handle the commercial airline. It is actually an irrational feeling. Yeah. Because one, I know I'm safer in an airplane than in a car. And two, I don't actually want to be the one flying. Yeah. And so it's irrational. Um, Does that help me in the moment? If I'm because some people are really anxious about flying, like panic right. attacks. Does that information help them in the moment? Maybe some of them. Maybe some of them wine helps them in the moment. <laughs> Calm down, yeah. you know. Um, but that's it, an interesting study, right? Yeah, I think. Uh, okay, so uh, the, something you said earlier actually reminded me of this, and then this kind of re-triggered it in my mind. But um, social anxiety is one of those things. For example, when someone walks into a room full of people. And they immediately start getting sweaty and they start uh, feeling nervous and everything else. Okay. Um, a lot of times, and you know, let's say that's a regular thing, right? And, just, and they, it's deemed social anxiety and sometimes people even take medication for that and whatever, right? Um, and if you talk to that person, they'll say, well, I'm just worried that people might think this about me and everybody thinks I'm a loser and everybody thinks I suck and you know, whatever, right? Okay, so therapeutically, oftentimes, uh, there's something you said about this might even go against kind of the common therapeutic idea and you're totally right so often therapeutically the way that people would respond to that is say no no no, honey you're beautiful you are a precious what if she's not though (laughs) you're a you're a snowflake and you are a stud and you are just uh, god's gift to this earth and everybody thinks you're wonderful gosh darn it right okay and they're in fact then sometimes encouraged to uh repeat it almost as a mantra Hey, just you keep telling yourself you're wonderful. You keep telling yourself you're amazing. And um, and then just go in there with all that confidence and all of kind of that self-esteem and you'll be fine. The problem with that is that if – two things. One, um, maybe everybody in there doesn't think you're wonderful. Maybe they actually do hate your guts. And so if you find out that they actually did hate your guts and your whole defense against anxiety in that instance was they don't hate my guts – Well, then you actually, it was proven that it was a rational thought that they did hate your guts. And now that it actually was proven to be rational, not irrational, now you're defenseless because they actually did hate your guts. Then the second problem is if you are the person that can tell yourself that you are a piece of crap, um, or if, rather, if you're the person that can tell yourself you're wonderful, and you're the the person then that gets to, that says you're a piece of crap, then why is one more authoritative than the other? So if one day you said nobody likes you, and then you repeated ten times everybody likes you, well, why was one statement more authoritative than the other? So I think one of the ways that we are meant to combat anxiety is think less about. Um, who am I, and think more about who is God and who does he say that I am, mm-hmm. right? Not who do I say that I am, which is another way that we can blur that creator-creature distinction is we can think that the most important thing for us to hear is what other people think or what we think about ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's another way of acting like creatures are on the same level as God, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think a lot of times, like you just mentioned with like uh, modern-day contemporary counseling, yeah, it's more like positive talk which is yeah. a lot of times make-believe, right? Because it might not even be real. It's just positive right. talk. You know, you're beautiful. You can do it. You know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, everyone, everyone, loves, everyone loves me. How does it go? Um, Stuart Smalley. You're good enough. And gosh darn it, people like you. Yeah, yeah you're smart enough. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, but actually, so biblically, it's not self-talk. Biblically, it's not forget reality and convince yourself of something that's not true. It's, mm. it's, quite, it's actually the opposite. Biblically speaking... 
the answer to anxiety is not the absence of thinking. Sorry, I said that wrong. Uh, faith is not the absence of thinking. Anxiety is the absence of thinking clearly or correctly. Mm-hmm. So the antidote to anxiety is thinking clearly about who God is and who you are, back yep. to the creature-creator distinction. Yep. When we, which I don't, when I say we, I should say if we could ever think 100% clearly about that distinction and how good he is, we would not have anxiety, which is when everything's perfected and consummated, we will have that perfect faith because we finally won't have sin nature and we will love that creature-creator distinction and we will understand it perfectly. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, like I was saying, the uh, the four categories there, they do blur together. So the person that is at times, right, they can they can blur together. And so if you're seeking counsel around anxiety, be skeptical of the counselor, even if they say they're a Christian or whatever, be skeptical of the counselor that never calls you to repentance, well, period, but never calls you to repentance around your anxiety. Because inevitably, sometimes I will even say, maybe especially so if you're struggling with an anxiety disorder, it is harder to detect when you are uh, actually uh, exhibiting a sinful kind of anxiety. It's harder to detect because the symptoms ultimately look the same. The biggest difference is what's the thought patterns that are operating? What what are you actually thinking about? Right. Yeah. I mean, to, to, I guess to, to put a bow on it, to sum it up, I guess what we would say is our anxiety problem is not an anxiety problem. Our anxiety problem is a lack of seeing ourselves as not God and seeing God as worthy of having our trust, right? God is God and I am not, right? Mm-hmm. It's our lack of understanding and loving that, right? So our anxiety is only a byproduct. So when, when Jesus says, fear not, or uh, do not be anxious, he's not saying, don't be anxious. He's actually saying, you need to believe something else and then you won't be anxious. You need to believe that you're not in control and God is and he's good. Yeah, he's saying repent of the lie you're believing right now exactly. about, about your father. Exactly. You're believing right now about your father that he does not care for you. Mm-hmm. You're believing about your father that he is not uh, sovereign, and you're believing about your father that he's not good, mm-hmm. and that he hasn't already given you thing, all things in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and you are forgetting that really you are missing opportunities to be thankful and to worship and praise him because you're you're so worried that he won't actually provide for you. He won't actually care for you. But do you, do you see what Jesus did? Do you see the work of, of Christ on the cross? Like, do you see that he's given you every spiritual blessing? Do you see that he cares for you? Luther, Martin Luther had a friend. I don't like to say his last name because I can't say his last Mel, name. Mel Ken, uh, the thumb. Yeah. I, like <laughs> I, can say I call him Philip because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Philip was his first name. Yeah. Uh, so, Melanchthon, is that right? I think I, think I nailed it. I that's think how, that's how you yeah, say okay. it. Yeah, Melanch- it's really hard to say that. I know. It doesn't, you don't say it how it looks melanchthon yeah. is yeah. how it's, it it looks uh yeah. so reformer buddy of his same time period a little younger brilliant mm-hmm. and uh w- but was like always worried because well. i mean th- talk about threats in our lives the whole time right yeah and so he would constantly say like he probably called him martin not luther but i'll call him luther <laughs> hey luther like we should marty. we should probably get out of here marty yeah. <laughs> i hope he didn't call him marty <laughs> wouldn't that kind of ruin it yeah, a little bit if you called him marty bit, yeah. i wouldn't like that's that. like when you call moses mo uh, so you know <laughs> yeah that's true um, so he, a lot of times like, Hey, we should go, we're going to get killed. We get out of town right now. Mm. And so he's recorded in a, in a, he wrote a letter one time and in the letter, they corresponded a lot via letter. Um, and, uh, one time he wrote a letter to his buddy, Philip, and he said this, let Philip cease to rule the world. Huh? Yeah. Reminding Philip, dude, you're not the one in control. That's good. Chill out. Mm-hmm. It's not up to you whether we live or die. 
And it's just, it's great. It's one, two, three, four, what, seven words? Let Philip cease to rule the world. We can all say it to ourselves. Let mm-hmm. Riley cease to rule the world. Because you don't. Yeah. Right? Let Ryan, let Gabe. You don't. Let, so, so absolve yourself from the lie that you're in control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, can I say one quick thing mm-hmm. before we wrap up here? Mm-hmm. Um, if you are the person struggling with anxiety, here's what I hope you would hear. I hope you would hear that, um, that there are multiple kinds of anxiety. So sometimes your friends don't know this. And so sometimes when they hear anxiety, they are prone to jump on it only as sin. Um, but sometimes your friends don't know that your anxiety could be sin. And sometimes they excuse it and they shouldn't. And so if you are the person struggling with anxiety, what I would say is you need to surround yourself with other believers who will um, lovingly speak the truth to you and who will be compassionate with you if you are suffering legitimately from some kind of um, uh, physiological uh, anxiety that will be compassionate towards you, but that will also call you to repentance where uh, you're actually exhibiting a sinful kind of anxiety. Because just because you have a clinical anxiety does not mean you cannot be sinfully anxious. Okay, um, and if you are the friends that are that have uh, people that are in your life who are struggling with anxiety, don't assume every kind of anxiety just needs to be kind of beat up on, and they just need to hear to trust, and they just need to hear uh, God is sovereign, and they just need to hear you know all all the. Don't assume that's the only thing that they need. What they might actually need also is compassion as they struggle with um, the realities of a body that is subject to the fall. And even if number four is the way they're struggling, handle it like Jesus did. Yeah. Where he says, hey, consider this. Yeah. Very gracious. Yes. Yeah. Um, There's one more thing I wanted to say about that, but now I don't remember. Oh, here's what it was. Yeah. For everybody listening who doesn't have like a generalized anxiety disorder, and it's because we all, we all are anxious about things. COVID-19 is a perfect example of a way in which our anxieties are revealed, right? Everyone, no matter who you are. COVID-19 made us anxious about some things. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, was that anxiety a sinful anxiety? And the answer is probably yes. Mm. So w- have you been overcome by anxiety with health? Like, am I going to get this? Am I going to die? We should be concerned about our health, but that's probably a sinful anxiety because God's in control. Mm. Um, have you been overcome with fear that you're going to lose your job? Have you lost your job and now you're fearful you're not going to make ends meet? Have you lost a ton of money in investments because of the stock market? Uh, did you... Did you uh, was your summer vacation on the line and you were so anxious, is it going to happen? So there's so many things that this pandemic brought to the surface as far as our anxieties go. Yeah. And so for everyone who's listening, like this might be a good uh, litmus test for you, the COVID-19. I know for me it has been for things that I value way too much. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go super quick through those four categories mm-hmm. and use like COVID-19. So category one, if it's like uh, an impending danger that is actually reasonable, that might be, let's say a loved one got COVID-19 mm-hmm. and you are anxious because they're going into the ER and uh, or, or you're about to have a, a baby. And so there's some level of anxiety about, gosh, going into the hospital. And there, th- that's not a... That could be a blessing. That could be a blessing, yeah. right? It could be a blessing to say like, hey, just be aware and be mindful and make sure you're washing your hands and just be aware that there is a real danger that exists, right? Okay. Um, the second one would be uh, the the person that is actually experiencing a um, a, a, a you know imbalance of some kind or a, a physiological kind of anxiety. For that person, something like COVID nineteen could actually aggravate it because they're isolated and um, they don't actually have good community around them right now to encourage them and to love them and to remind them of the gospel and to tell them that you know um, God cares for them and so. This could be really hard for those folks, and it's it's harder to get into the doctor, and maybe 
they're going, gosh, I don't want to go into the doctor because all the stuff going on, right? And so they could be legitimately struggling and struggling in isolation. And so that's a way it could affect, for example, those folks. The third category of, of people would be those that are responding in anxiety because of some kind of consequence of their sin. So an example might be maybe somebody made a lot of uh, uh, risky financial decisions that they shouldn't have, that they didn't save, that they didn't plan, that they didn't think ahead, and now something has happened with their job, and they were actually living a very greedy, kind of consumerist mindset, and now they lost their job, and they're worried about how they're going to pay their bills. And this isn't meant to condemn anybody around that, but but maybe they should have actually been thinking about saving and not trying to get, you know, go on the fourth vacation of the year or whatever else. And if they would have saved, they would have been ready for the times of trial. Doesn't what they did with their money previous to COVID-19 show that they weren't trusting the Lord already? Yeah, exactly. Right. So then the fourth category would be those who look at all this stuff and they kind of immediately go to doom and gloom. They look at this and they kind of just go like, the, the church is going to fail. The church, how, how is the church ever going to, uh, you know, meet again? And it's kind of like God's uh, purposes have been thwarted, or they look at their own life and they go, you know, my, um, I did lose my job and I've, uh, I, I'm feeling just fearful about the state of the world. Um, for that person, they, COVID-19 may actually be a great opportunity for them to see that they were clinging to, that their security and their peace came from the control that they had. And now the pandemic is revealing, actually, you don't have control. And what they need to do is repent and say, Lord Jesus, you ultimately are the one who would build your church. You are ultimately the one who is our peace. And so forgive me for thinking that my peace and my security came from what I was able to control. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, that's just looking that's right. at the pandemic and how... Those four different categories of the, anxiety relate to it. The more value we give things, the more anxiety and fear surround that thing. Yeah. Right? You put a ton of value, we would call it worship, in possessions. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You have a ton of anxiety around those possessions. What if I lose it? What if something happens? Right? And so, so at the end of the passage, Matthew 6, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. The, the anecdote to the whole thing is, worship me. Think about me. I'll provide. I'll give you everything. Just all you need to focus on is me. And then you, th- you remember the story of Mary and Martha? Yeah. That's a perfect example, right? Yes. Martha's like, I got to do this. I gotta do this. Jesus, tell Mary to help me. And Jesus is like, why don't you just sit down and hang out? Like yeah. she's, she's at my feet. She knows where she's supposed to be. Just if, all, if all your peace was going to come from the vacation you got, now it's canceled. Yeah. Well, then maybe the place that you put all of where you were receiving your peace was not a place you should have been looking to to give you peace to begin with but where we where we exist here on the east side of seattle a very wealthy place we don't really deal with people that have a lot of vacation plans so we don't really yeah. know what that's like <laughs> yeah <sighs> yeah anyways okay or kids and in, in sports or whatever oh my right? just yeah. what, whatever yeah. costs money we got it over here yeah yeah whatever whatever costs money well cool. hopefully that that uh helps people understand a little bit about yeah and the, once again for anybody yeah. else wondering like well, why'd yeah. you do that remember this is the most frequent command in all of scripture yeah this is fear not so it's kind of a big deal to figure out and what the, the pandemic going on. is revealing a lot of opportunities for us to actually believe this command right? right it's giving us a lot of opportunities to believe this command so now you know a lot more about anxiety and now we'll find out more about well just the more you know yeah oh yeah that's right we have that now the more you know all right Riley what you got for us I was going to do the Florida man challenge, but I looked up both of your guys' dates. Do you know about this? No. No clue. No? Oh. It's when you look up your birthday and see what like Florida man headlines there were. Oh, I have heard of that. Yeah. Florida? Neither of you are good, though. So nah. Okay. All right. What's that. your backup? Yeah. My backup instead is uh, just kind of a classic icebreaker question. Uh, if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Pizza. 
Pizza. I love pizza. Really? Canadian bacon pineapple. That like Riley just. You're gonna lock it down mouth. to that type oh, of pizza. Man. Riley, how, Canadian bacon Riley, pineapple how do you pizza. feel about pineapple right there on pizza? I don't like pineapple at all. I would eat it with a spork too, Riley. And I like it even less on pizza. <laughs> yeah, Riley is one of those guys. <laughs> Riley it's becoming sporks. a bigger thing of people that despise other people that have pineapple on pizza. <laughs> oh man, I love it. I've been seeing a couple of memes out there where social distancing six feet. Yeah. And then it says awesome. if you have pineapple on pizza, hundred yeah. feet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh. The question was, what food would I? Hmm. Can I guess yours? Yeah, go ahead. I have no. I, I, you've never told me this before, but I just yeah. want to guess. Uh, cereal. Am I kind of right? A little bit. I do love cereal. Okay. I would have um, said some sort of Mexican. Does food. it? Ha- well, that would be the one. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, I'm pretty predictable. Yeah. Does it? Would it have to be the same kind of cereal? Because I couldn't just say cereal, right? No, you broad. could say cereal. So I, you could say Mexican food. You could. You wouldn't have to. No, pick that's, that's, that's a whole to, class. If you're going to tie it down to just Canadian, Canadian bacon, bacon pineapple, pineapple, yeah, I think he has to tie it down to one type of cereal. Okay. I mean, I, my favorite kind of cereal is like slam dunk. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> yes? Oh, yeah. So See, that's good. why we're friends. So you here, here's cereal. my deal. Love cereal. Upset. Yeah. I would eat it for dinner every day if my wife let me, but she does not. She gets mad at me for eating <laughs> uh-huh. it. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, number one. Yeah. Most overrated cereal of all time, Golden Grahams. Is that even rated? I didn't know that oh, was like people. People love Golden Grahams. My wife loves it. Totally overrated. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Lucky Charms is amazing. Oh, Lucky Charms is amazing. Uh, what else is amazing? Tricks is pretty good. Tricks? Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember Tricks. Yeah. Wow. I like Tricks. Um, Captain Crunch? Yeah, if you want to kill the roof of your mouth, laceration. <laughs> yeah. You need stitches exactly. after. I used Captain to dream Crush. about Cookie Crisp as a kid. Cookie Crisp. But yeah. then I had it, and it was underwhelming. Oh, actually, okay. I have a newer cereal that I'll tell you guys about. It's called Crave. Never heard of it. Is that so, kind of like a like an older person cereal? Like, does it have lots of fiber and stuff? Or Crave? <laughs> I don't know. No. It sounds like something that would be like the K. The K uh, special you know. K? Yeah, special K. This is not that. Okay. So Crave is like, it's got chocolate in the middle oh. of the- Oh, no, that's legit. Yeah, that's the opposite of healthy so cereal. So nothing can beat Cinnamon Toast Crunch, mm-hmm. but Crave is my number two, and it's kind of a newer cereal, like last couple of years. It's amazing. Yeah. Pro tip, if you don't feel like, if your favorite part of Cinnamon Toast Crunch is the milk afterwards, just drink horchata. Yeah, see, and I can't do the horchata. How, how is that true? Here's how, why. Because in my mind, yeah. here's what I think. I think somebody else had Cinnamon Toast Crunch cereal and then <laughs> they poured, just it in there. poured the excess milk into the thing, and I just can't do it without gagging. Here's the deal, though. Here's, here's yeah. a different question. Riley, if you don't mind, yeah. I'm going to add a question on here. Okay. Is any cereal worth it in skim milk? Not really. I don't think so either. Yeah. <laughs> you can really. give me some toast crunch, and if it's skim milk, I'm like, there was a phase yeah, when I was a else. kid. My my parents, I think it was my dad, went through a phase where it was like, we're only going to drink skim milk. I don't know why, but we we're only going to drink skim milk, yeah. and oh, it was everyone horrible. has that phase. But yeah. I think we went from like two percent to skim milk, yeah. and so it just felt like I was drinking water. Yeah, water yeah. with like some weird flavoring, some yeah. cream flavoring or yeah, something. It's not the same. And then eventually, we gave up on it, and we went back to two percent, and then it felt like I was drinking straight cream. Okay, oh, so so was, I've never done this before, yeah. but I have friends that actually will have cereal with half and half. Yeah, that's, and they say oh. they just they rave. They rave about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, half that's, and half. That is, <laughs> is that thicker than like a vitamin D? I mean, half or not and vitamin half D, is uh, what you pour what into is, what's like it called the not vitamin D. Um, there's like a kind of milk that is like really thick. It's even thicker than two percent. I can't remember what it's called. But I think it's just whole milk. Whole milk, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Wait, is, so is whole milk thicker than uh, half 2%. and half? I thought half and half no. was no thicker. I think half and half, half still and thicker. Half thicker. Yeah. yeah. Are you are you talking about uh, the? It's called something cream. It's called uh, clotted cream. No, no. <laughs> cottage cheese. Oh. No. Oh, by the way. Yeah, that shouldn't be a food. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we should probably end. Are it we here. done? Yeah. Are we, we should done? end it there. All right. <laughs>
Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, as always, uh, shoot us an email at everysquareinchpodcast at gmail.com. If you have questions or want to just leave us a response, uh, you can go to iTunes and leave us a review. That would be awesome. Um, helps uh, help us, helps us get more folks to listen, more people to be entertained by our poor jokes and uh, whatnot. And then uh, also you can go to Facebook and shoot us a message if you have a topic or an idea that you think we should cover on the podcast. We will, I will at least consider it. Right, Ryan? Depends on what, one yeah. what question it is. <laughs> Send us lots of questions about spiritual warfare. All right. How are you dressing your night? Or day? Or whatever time it is you're listening to this. Thank you for listening to Every Square Inch. If you'd like to find out more about Ryan, Gabe, or the podcast, just go to everysquareinchpodcast.com or find us on Facebook and Twitter. We hope you'll join us next time, and God bless.